Welcome to Habs Unfiltered. This independent podcast is featured on the Hockey Writers and iHeartRadio, bringing you honest and unfiltered entertainment and discussion on the Montreal Canadiens and hockey news. Your hosts, Matt Smith, Treg Wilson, and Blaine Putney are proud to be one of your trusted sources. If you are talking about it, so are we. Welcome to Habs Unfiltered. This premier independent fan experience podcast is featured on the Hockey Writers and brings you honest and in-depth Montreal Canadiens discussion and entertainment. Your hosts, Matt Smith, Treg Wilson, and Blaine Pudney are proud to be one of your trusted sources for Habs and hockey news. If you are talking about it, so are we. Are you in the market for quality sticks and equipment you can afford? There is a no-frills, no-nonsense company that wants to provide that to you. No Name Hockey. No Name Hockey is a small Canadian company started by former pro player Jason Goulet. When he retired, he searched for sticks that felt like when he was a pro but could never find the right one or one that was reasonably priced. So he decided to start No Name Hockey. Now No Name offers high-quality, customized sticks at a fair price. They won't try to wow you with a fancy name. They will focus on providing you a pro-stock quality stick that you can afford. The cost of sticks has gone through the roof due to sponsorships and licensing fees. No Name Hockey makes sticks for the No Names and players currently making a name. Support for Habs Unfiltered is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-belt grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Big news! Manscaped just launched in Canada. For those listeners in Canada, you can be one of the first Canadians to experience their life-changing products. Myself, Treg, and Matt have all had trimming accidents. It happens. Every man has there's nothing to be ashamed of. That's why Manscaped has redesigned the electric trimmer. The Manscaped engineering team perfected the greatest ball hair trimmer ever created and have their new and improved Lawnmower 3.0. Their third generation trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce manscaping accidents. When I tell you this is premium, I mean premium. The battery will last up to 90 minutes so you can take a longer shave. The water-resistant technology allows you to groom in the shower. One of the coolest features is the LED light which illuminates grooming areas for a closer and more precise trimming. 
They've also upgraded to a 7,000 RPM motor with quiet stroke technology. And let's not forget about the charging stand. Show your mower off loud and proud because this intelligently designed stand is a convenient charging dock powered by USB. If you're listening to me speak right now, I want you to experience it firsthand for yourself. Trim that junk yours. Get 20% off plus free shipping with the code UNFILTERED20 at manscaped.com. Your balls will thank you. And welcome to episode 131 of Habs Unfiltered. I am your host, Blaine Putvey, and I am joined now by my co-host, Treg Wilson. Hello. And Matt, the Air Force beautiful man, Smith. Good afternoon. We got, we got to get that, that plug out there uh, just for our listeners' sake. If you want to see more of Matt, go to the Habs Unfiltered OnlyFans page. Seriously, it, it exists. It actually does. Yes. It, no, it totally does. Feel free to Google it. It's there. It's a picture of Matt. So uh, we got a busy week ahead of us. We're going to do this show today. We're recording today. It's Wednesday about 4.30 Atlantic time. Uh, the Canadians played Edmonton last night. Uh, later this week, we're going to have another episode. We're going to have Lyle Richardson come in and talk about the trade deadline. Uh, so, you know, looking forward to that. Um, today's episode, we are going to talk about a few things around the league, uh, the Edmonton game itself, the Connor McDavid cheap shot and the harshest penalty to ever be awarded an Edmonton oiler, uh, some Lekkonen rumors and a few odds and ends. So. We'll just uh, we'll just kick it off. No one cares about our weeks. We're all hunky dory. Oh, and before we start, I'd like to send out a happy "It's Your Back Pay Day" to all Canadian Forces members who just received their back pay today. Don't spend it all in one place. Don't let your spouses know about it, so you can spend it yourself. That's a tip from an old, 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 old forces member. Anyhow, moving right along, we're going to get started with some news around the league. So, Matt, why don't you kick us off with the first piece? Um, I'll, I'll start with Aaron Eckblad. Um, no, playing playing Dallas the other day, he uh, he went down and he went down hard, and uh, he's looking like a leg fracture, and he's going to miss twelve weeks, and. Uh, this was uh, this was a bad injury for him and a bad injury for the Panthers. Even though they're still winning games without him, um, he was having a very good season: eleven goals, eleven assists, and thirty-five games. And uh, he was really leading the team, and he was kind of having a resurgence from uh, from from years past. He's still a young guy, um, just hoping for the best that um, there isn't any other damage. There doesn't seem to be right now. And that it looks like it's a it's a fracture, and it'll be back next season. But it could have been a hell of a lot worse than what it was. Yeah, I watched uh, I watched the replays of that that play, and it was gruesome. I've had some serious leg injuries, and I know I know that face when you have like a no duff, no doubt, horrible leg injury, and he just and you can hear him scream. Like you knew he was done. Like as soon as it happened. I just felt terrible for the guy. 
He's been playing a great season so far. He's been leading the Panthers, a resurgent Panthers. And then he, and then this happens and that's it for his season there. He is done. So it, it's a shame to see that happen, especially in, if you're, if you're from Canada and you're thinking further ahead to the Olympics in 2022, this could have an impact on that as well. So it's something, something you have to worry about, especially for him. Cause he was in the, he was front runner for a uh, top pairing defenseman for Canada. He was, you know, he was, he's doing all the right things and um, you know, he's a, he's a big body. He can move. He can, he can shoot the puck. Got pucks in just, deep, gave a hundred percent. Right. All the, all those, all those same answers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, he's uh you know, I was I was at least looking at him for uh, for uh, for the Olympic team. I don't know if he would have actually made it, but this this could definitely have an impact on it. Treg, any thoughts on it? I guess the silver lining there is it's a fractured leg and not like uh, tore ligaments or anything like that, which could probably take longer to rehab to bring back. Um, at least with a fractured leg, you heal the bone, and then it's basically just getting your leg back to where it was before, whereas the ligaments. A lot different. Um, Blaine, you would know. I would know. We all had ligament damage to our legs. Unlike the Air Force, we actually move our legs. So um, oh, he he probably still has all his original ligaments too. I, I would assume he does. Lucky bastard. It's also <laughs> like fifteen years younger than us. But anyway, yeah. <laughs> Uh, no, it's it's a it's a terrible injury for Florida. You're right, Florida. You know they had a good team going there, and I, is he going to be the difference maker? I don't know, but uh, hopefully, uh, speedy recover for him, and uh, next season he comes back strong. Well, and staying with Florida today, uh, it was announced that they just signed Spencer Knight, their uh, first round pick from last season. Uh, so he is <clears throat> he has gone pro. He is part of their future. Uh, which means Bob Rovsky is probably going to be gone in the next couple of years, somehow, some way. Um, so there's big, that. It's a big contract. Yeah, it is. Well, which, uh, which, which always, which always surprised me. Like we, we knew that they were looking for a goalie, but the year they went out and they got Spencer Knight with 13th overall pick a week later, yeah. they signed Bobrovsky to this huge deal. Long-term. Yeah. Deal. So, so we'll see. And we're going to see other, like, bringing up night uh obviously Caulfield just signed Matthew Boldy just signed and it's you know we're ticking the boxes now of the guys that are playing in the in the states that are going to be signing their entry-level deals all NCAA players who signed with the teams that drafted them yeah. uh just to point it out I read on Twitter today too that Toronto's looking at trading for Dryder so okay that could be the room for those who don't know he is the backup in Florida who's been yeah. Excellent. Had a very good year. Yeah. He's actually yeah. playing better than Bob Broski is. So. Yeah. yeah. His, that's a rumor. Uh, I'm not sure that's going to happen, but his career average is about 930 for a save percentage. And this year he's slightly below that at 927. So it is time to get rid of him because he's sliding. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that 930 is on limited game basis. So it's not uh, like uh, he's. Doesn't matter. Don't be narrow minded, Treg. <laughs> it's true. Well, it's true. well, sticking sticking with goaltending. Um, there, uh, Pierre Lebrun said the other day that um, Jonathan Bernier might be uh, might be getting traded, and that uh, Philadelphia might be looking at him, as uh, the Flyers have really been struggling uh, 
behind the or between the pipes. And, Carter uh, Hart is the next Carey Price. I don't understand. Like, just ignore. Well, he's, he's having some problems right now. There, there's there's issues. His game's up and down. He is a young goaltender. He's having some issues, and it, I mean, you can't really blame him. It, you have to expect this exactly. And sticking with Philadelphia, uh, got this bear cleared waivers. And part, part of the rumor, uh, according to Sam Karachi from Philadelphia at the, at the athletic, um, he notes that uh, Gothisbury was very vocal in his defense of Carter Hart, uh, especially with management and openly in uh, the last few uh, interviews he's done. And that may have been the deciding factor in waiving him and deciding he's, his time in Philly is done. So it's pretty sad when, you know, the reason why you're not wanted on a team anymore is because you're too good of a team fucking player defending your own teammate. So not sure what's going on there, but his contract, his contract's going to kill any deal with that. Yeah. You got to take on, you got to take, it's money in money out with him. Yeah. Yeah. It's a money in money out thing with him. Um, And in news out of St. Louis, um, some sad news uh mr blue himself bobby plager passed away this week so uh that's that's some sad news for st louis blues fans um i've got a soft spot for st louis Uh, i know quite a few people down there Uh, i've got friends down there and i like watch i like the blues they're they're a fun team and you can tell a small market team with just a tight-knit community so when someone as important to a franchise like Bobby Plager passes away, it impacts the entire fan base. It, just like we saw in Montreal, when you lose, you know, an Adi Richard or a Jean Bedivaux, it's the same thing for them. Yeah, it's a, unfortunately it was a car accident. And uh, yeah, I can remember watching them play back in the eighties and yeah, it's, it's always sad when, uh, Someone goes. Uh, any other around the league news, Matt? Uh, we'll may as well jump into. Uh, I got two more. I got two more. They'll be quick. Um, Buffalo Sabers. They Suck. just can. They just continue to be a story around the league this year of how bad they are, and it's uh, it's 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 getting kind of ridiculous. Like they had a three nothing lead the other night. Going into the third period, it looked like they were going to come out on top. They blew the lead, lost in overtime, now 18 games in a row that they've lost. They're playing the Flyers again tonight as we record. Um, This is a team that's got a lot of big contracts, and those players are not playing up to those contracts. You've got a a guy like Jeff Skinner who's got three goals making nine mil a year. You've um, You've got Taylor Hall who's among the leaders on the team, but only two goals this year. He's making 8 million bucks. Uh, Oposo is making, I think over 6 million bucks and he's got seven points. It's, it's something, it's something needs to be done. And, and some of these contracts can be moved because on another team, they might be able to actually do something. But right now um, I think someone like Skinner, I don't think he would do very well on any other team. It just looks like he's a broken player right now. And it's, uh, it's, 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 it's frustrating for me because 
you see Skinner and he was such a good goal scorer and he had all the concussions and we're like, is he going to be, is he still going to be himself? And he was. So basically you wasted a fantasy pick on him this year, didn't you? I didn't do any fantasy this year. Um, (laughs) But, um, but you know, for me, he signed the big contract and they disappeared. No, not a surprise. And and you look at Detroit and Ottawa who are sitting there going, okay, we're rebuilding. We're going to have super high picks this year. They're re they're rejigging the, uh, the NH, the NHL entry draft. We're going to get a top three pick. And then you look over at Buffalo. You're like, ah, crap. Yeah. What else do we have to do? The, these, this, this team is just taking everything away from us. That's right. And the thing is like, uh, it, it doesn't seem to matter who they bring in. They're not getting, they're not getting any better. At least with like, at least with Ottawa, they're bringing in the youth. They're utilizing the youth. They're losing and winning with their youth. And we've seen throughout the season that the, the team's getting better. They're, they're, a, they're a thorn on the side of a lot of uh, teams in the division right now. The issue with Buffalo, though, is Buffalo thought they were on the cusp of making becoming a playoff team for the past five years. Yep. And they just take, and, and and what hurts Buffalo the most is not so much the veterans not scoring, is you got guys like Allmark, Lazar, and Darlene who are just and Eichel who are just playing in a environment of shittiness. Yeah. And yeah. it's gonna kill them and that's very true. As soon that's as very contracts true. are over. Yeah. Okay. So moving on from league news and notes, we're gonna jump into Habs news. Um so the Canadians came back after a week off and played Edmonton last night. And I'm going to start with you, Treg, on your thoughts on the game. We're going to keep the issues of McDavid and the hit out of it for now. So just, uh, just the game itself. Uh, I thought it was one of Montreal's best games of the year. It's definitely their best game under Dom Ducharme. Um, they controlled the entire game. Uh, they smothered uh, McDavid and Drysaddle. I mean, literally, Deneau played Guy Carboneau on Wayne Gretzky in 93 playoff style of uh, hockey where he was no more than a stick length away from McDavid the entire time and just shadowed him like crazy. It was like 1990, early 90s hockey. And uh, Price played well, but he didn't have to because he didn't really, I think he had six high danger shots. Um, the defense played good. Uh, there was no rust for a team that didn't practice for an entire week, didn't do anything for an entire week. They looked rejuvenated and except for maybe a little blip in the second period there, I thought Montreal pretty much just dominated the whole entire game. And uh, yeah, I, uh, yeah, there's really not much. This uh, Everyone thought Cotton Emmy's line was going to be trash and it ended up being the best line of the night. Uh, Cotton Emmy gets better every game. Dom Ducharme has really turned him into a different type of player. Uh, and uh, yeah, I can see why guys like McDavid would get frustrated with guys like Cotton Emmy. But uh, um, no, I, like I say, I, I thought I think it was one of their best games of the year. To be honest with you, like uh, two hundred foot games. Matt, what about you? I agree with everything Frank said. Um... <laughs> All right, moving on. <laughs> no, uh, for, for me, I, I, I agree. Under Ducharme was probably one of their best games. Uh, f- I really thought they were going to come out rusty. And the, yes, they were playing a tired team that played the night before, but I really still thought that Edmonton was going to have a hell of a lot more jump. 
and that Montreal would be the team that would be behind the play and uh, started out early and Kakaniemi got the goal scoring started. Montreal actually uh, had an opposing challenge go their way, which was phenomenal. I was finding a way, I was trying to find a way for the refs to say that that was offside, but thankfully it wasn't. Um, and uh, as Trike said, the uh, the players that we've kind of been pointing at as being trade bait or being guys that are going to be put on waivers or guys that are going to be on the taxi squad, et cetera, in Byron, Lekin, et cetera, they really played some of their best hockey of the year. And um, it's going gonna, it's gonna to get interesting if uh, Bergevin wants to revamp this lineup to make room for uh, for some of these contracts coming in maybe bring up Caulfield, put Stall in, et cetera. Um, but about the game overall, I think they played fantastic. And as, as Treg said, um, Price didn't have to do much, but picked up his 49th career shutout. I'm happy for him, happy for the team. And uh, anytime that you can shut down Drysdale McDavid to, uh, I believe they only had two shots the whole game. I think that's, I think that's pretty good. And uh, it shows that not only that the, uh, the forwards weren't letting him in the defense were doing their job. And generally when you, uh, you get a game against um, McDavid, Drysdale, those kind of players, you think about the, uh, your third pairing. And we didn't hear a damn thing about the third pairing yesterday. So that means that they were doing their job. They, 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 we didn't talk about them. Nobody talked about them. So they weren't a detriment to the team and the team uh, picked up a shutout. Romanov had one of his best games. Yeah. Yeah. He was the well, most quiet, quietly, in the third. Quietly. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And Mete was strong. Mete had a strong game. It didn't have a strong shot, but he had a strong game. <laughs> yeah. But he did get a shot on net. So that's a bonus. But it wasn't very strong. It was no, like, but it was on net. It was like going through mayonnaise. True. But um, <laughs> yeah. So Romanov was the most used defenseman in the third period. Yeah. Not Weber, not Petrie, Romanov. So it showed that uh, that uh, Ducharme was willing to go with the player he felt was playing the best at that very moment, which bodes well for the youth. It means that if they do well, they get more ice time. So that's good. I, I also noticed, too, he threw Deneau out with another center a lot. Suzuki and Deneau yeah. would take the draw together, and Deneau would leave the ice right after the draw. I saw that a lot last night, too. Well, with Suzuki especially, because his his face-off numbers last night were really poor. I think they are around 15 to 20%, whereas uh, Kotkaniemi's was hovering around 65 to 80%, somewhere around there, just off so the top I, of my I kinda, head. Yeah, I kind of like that. I kind of He had Deneau out. Suzuki played the wing. As soon as the draw was... Won or lost, depending on where it was. Deneau went right to the bench, and then yeah. the Druin or Anderson came on. I don't know. You should try implementing that strategy in overtime. Oh, shut sure. up. That's what they were trying to do. When it, <laughs> anyway. But uh, we didn't need overtime. And Suzuki, other than the face-offs, played an excellent hockey game. He did. He um, did. That, that spin-around back pass to, to Druin, right on the tape. I mean, that surprised Druin. He didn't expect that to get through, and he kind of fluttered his shot, but still he Suzuki made that play. So that, that was impressive. Um, for me, the, the, uh, the game last night, you guys are right. The, the team played extremely well defensively and they had a game plan. When you have dry and McDavid, the game plan is obviously go after them. 
their coach made it easy for the Canadians to start the game because he had both players on the same line. So it was quite simple. Put Deneau's line out against McDavid. You cover their two best players. And they did really well throughout the entire night, taking away the neutral zone from McDavid. That's where McDavid picks up his speed so he can attack. And there was someone on him in the neutral zone at all times. So they were taking away skating lanes. They were taking away those passing lanes. They weren't giving him the space to, to wind up and pick up speed. So that was a, that was a big, big piece of their defensive scheme. Um, also, their def- the defense were able to get the pucks up to the forwards. And this is where we've talked about this in previous shows where when the team is doing well, the, f- the wingers are down lower, giving a short five-foot pass to the defenseman. And they did it consistently throughout the night. And we saw it. They pick up the puck, they turn up ice. And as soon as they got it, they would spread out a little bit. They had that little five foot triangle. As soon as they got possession, the forwards would all spread out and counterattack. So that, uh, that transition game was, was on display. Um, Offensively, I thought they played a, a strong game. They kept the pucks in their zone, um, Let's see, Deneau's line, according to Money Puck, uh, the tatar Deno gallagher line is number one in the NHL at this point with a 70.3% expected goals for. And that's, that's after playing against teams like Edmonton and Toronto with these superstar centers. So that, that just shows the importance of having an experienced centerman. So... Overall, it was a good game. And the Drew and Suzuki Anderson line is 11th in the league. Yes. Uh, according to, well, actually, after 200, 200 plus minutes, they're, I think they're, they're eighth. They're eighth at 59.8% oh, okay. expected goals for, which is, you know, if there's 10 goals or if there's 100 goals scored, they're, they're expected to score 59.8% of them. And the percentage is a defensive, offensive, expected goals for against, and the percentage comes from the goals for against and the goals for, for. Yeah, yeah. Goals exactly. against and goals for. So, yeah, I just learned that last week. So now I'm an analytic guru now. <laughs> so yeah, so it was a very strong game. Yes, Edmonton did play two games. They played the night before. They were, they were hotly contested games against the Toronto Maple Leafs, but there's no excuses if Montreal plays back-to-back nights. So there's no excuses for a team that has Connor McDavid and Dreisaitl playing back-to-backs. Hey. Edmonton didn't look like they were carrying anchors either. They didn't look like they had a back-to-back night. They weren't super great, but they didn't look They couldn't, just, they they couldn't put plays together. Yeah. And they were no, they just, couldn't. they were, they were smothered each, you know, anytime they came up the ice. And, uh, there were, I was I was kind of wondering what kind of what Montreal Canadiens team would come out of that uh, COVID protocol after a week off. Are they going to be super rusty or are they going to be flying? And within 18 seconds, we knew, yeah, they're going to be flying because <laughs> Kotniemi buried a goal 18 seconds in, and then we waited 12, 13 weeks until they figured out it wasn't offside. Uh, they, oh, that was oh, a really long first period. It was because of the, that one <laughs> review. It was like, Um, that review was like 10 minutes long. Oh, it was super long for no reason. 
Um, so the league went out of their way to try and find a way to take away the goal, it seemed, but there was no conclusive evidence to say it was offside. It may have been, uh, to be to be brutally honest. It was, it it was really been, close. It was really but close. But it was close. But the call on the ice was a goal, and they had right. nothing to say anything different, unlike the Edmonton goal that got called back, which was clearly offside. And as um, uh, Mike Johnson said, this should only take five seconds. That's no goal. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, I had a train of thought and I lost it. But anyway, uh, actually, yes, Montreal, if it weren't for posts and just small misses of the net or shots that just went over the net or under, they would have had eight or nine goals because Costin looked terrible. Yeah. And uh, he was guessing. They had more posts hit than Edmonton had shots in the first 15 minutes of the first period. So it was kind of a all around it was good play. The power play I thought was really good, even though it didn't score. I thought it played real well, and I thought the PK was strong for the uh, two. And, and Froelich didn't look out of place. No, he looked pretty good. He, he looked okay. He didn't really get a lot of ice time, but he no, didn't. Which we didn't ho- expect anyway. I was hoping he'd score an empty net goal, but. Uh, because he wears 67. That's correct, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. He did, he did look out of place, and it seems <laughs> that with the line rushers and everything today, he's going to get another look. So uh, Toffoli's not ready to come back yet, or me is not going to be back for a little bit, so. We'll see him. Uh, we'll see him again against Ottawa. Yeah, 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 yeah. Tomorrow. On Thursday. So, uh, yeah. So the Canadians, because of this COVID protocol, they're going to be looking at about four games per week the rest of the way. So it's twenty-five games in forty-two nights. That is a lot of hockey, and this is where we're going to see the real value of the taxi squad. It's not just going to be to hide cap anymore. They're going to need guys like uh, like Frolik to step up. <clears throat> they're going to need guys to go back and forth um, with Armia out on the COVID protocol. As of today, he is still on the list uh, on the COVID protocol list. Um, yeah. Yeah. We're going to be seeing a lot more of Frolik. We're going to be seeing a lot more of Lekkonen. He's going to be used a lot more, which, you know, is good considering he's young, he's got good legs and he fits. Uh and I think it's time that we start doing what Treg wrote an article on, and that's manage Weber's minutes because he looked very good. His minutes were managed, and it was six days off. He came back. He looked strong, which just proves that he's just he's getting tired out. Oh, definitely. Uh, <clears throat> Weber – there's three ways you can do this, and I think they should do all three. And I say this in my article. A, he should be put down to the second pairing with uh, Petrie and I say Edmondson, just because Petrie and Edmondson together, they're uh, 56.3% uh, GFX percentage, uh, which is very good for a defensive pair. Uh, they're not as good as Kulak Petrie is, but if you put them together and you put Kulak with Weber, I think that gives you a little bit better of a puck mover along with Weber. Weber doesn't have to worry about moving the puck so much, which is something that will help Weber out. You put him on the second pairing and it cuts his minutes down by about four, um, depending on power play PK time um, and allows him to rest that way. And with four games in a week, let him play three and sit him out a game, right? It's, it's yeah. not, not going to hurt. Sit him out, maybe a back-to-back. You know, if you win the first game, sit him out the second game, right? Uh, 
especially if you're playing and and I'll bring this up and people are going to probably be surprised. If you're playing a fast team like Edmonton, Mete is a good guy to have in your lineup because he's a fast defenseman. He doesn't have to be strong. He doesn't have to be whatever, because McDavid and Drysdale aren't going to bowl over you to try to score a goal. They're not going to fight with you in front of the net to try to score a goal. They're just going to try to skate past you. And DQ, or you don't and, throw elbows behind the play into your face. Little things that, like that. That, that yeah. Debatable. But anyway, no. <laughs> um, so, and, and if that's the case, so if you've got a back-to-back and you're playing even against Ottawa, Mette, you know, take Weber out, put Mette in, you know, and move, you know, Romanoff with Kulak on the second line and Mette and uh, Ouellette, I guess. You know, whoever, yeah, Mette and Ouellette because you're taking out Weber. Or call someone. up Leskinen, perhaps. Or, or Leskinen or Fleury or whoever you want to call up. Yep. Uh, they play the third line. And uh, that way, come the playoffs, you don't have to worry about him getting tired out through the playoffs because he, he's having his rest. On any two-game schedule, fine and dandy. Let him play, right? The 82 games, it's stretched out. You're only having four or five back-to-back, not like 10 or 12. And uh, But in this schedule, especially now that it's 24, well, 23 games now and 41 nights, um, guys like him are going to need his rest. Allen's going to be a very important person in this, this, this going down the stretch. Yep. Uh, and you got to do the same with Weber. Absolutely. I mean, don't get me wrong. I like Weber. I like his game, but he is 35. He's going to be 36 very soon. He's got a lot of mileage. He's got over a thousand NHL games. So yeah, I agree. It's time that they, if they really want to extend his career and they want him to, uh, to be efficient in the playoffs and effective, you want him effective especially if you want to win a couple of rounds. Yeah, manage his minutes. You can dock down his minutes to, say, around 20. You can give a few more minutes to a Romanov. You can give him a night off, call up a flurry who provides that style of play. You throw him on a third pair. You you lean on Petrie a little bit more on those nights, but Petrie's, he's, he's capable of doing it right now. Petrie's, Petrie is clearly having a career season such so far and he looks strong so why not he should be your number one goal uh, not goalie but number one defenseman or yes i agree defenseman so if when he, he, he so definitely when sharat comes back who plays with who in your opinion sharat should not play with weber okay right if if it was me i keep petrie and edmondson together as a top pairing Put Kulak with Weber, and Sharap plays on the third line with Romanov. Yes, it's going to be really interesting because Kulak's played really well with Petrie. It is, right. and I, but I, I'm glad you brought that up. I'm going to bring up a point here. So when Petrie, <laughs> and listen, I'm getting into the Atlantic, boys. Jason, you're going to be proud of me, buddy, because I'm <laughs> I'm doing this analytic thing like crazy. So Money Puck has become my new favorite website. Uh, if I can find what I'm doing here. Uh, here we are. S- or Puck Money, I should say. Money Puck. Yeah, I had it right the first time. So Draft you, DraftKings. Uh, <laughs> <huh>? DraftKings. <laughs> Draft so if you go to the Canadians and uh, you do the lines and you do your minutes or whatever. So Romanak Kulak are 58.3 when they're together. Sherratt Weber's 56.9 and Evanson Petrie 56.3. Okay. So they're all pretty even. But now if you put Petrie with Kulak, 
they are at a 70.5, so the best, but everybody else drops and they drop by quite a bit. So when you have uh, Edmondson with uh, Weber, which is what you have now, they're at a 52.3, you know, uh, I don't know where Mete is on this, you know, it, uh, Mete Kulak's 44.8, you know, Ronoff Petrie 37.5, yada, 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 yada. So if you want an even balanced pairing where everyone's around 55 to 60, then that's the, you, you want Edmondson with Petrie and Kulak. I'm saying with Weber, although I don't, really, I don't think he's played with Weber yet this year. Um, and then Sherrod, Romanoff. The third pairing, it doesn't really matter. They're, they're, they're only going to get 17, 18 minutes a game anyway, 15, even as low as 15. But if you just want one dominant deep pairing, fine. Keep keep Petrie with Kulak because they're at seventy percent, so they're they're quite good together. But then you're you're kind of diminishing the other two pairs. Yeah, that's my and, and that's uh, my argument. Anyway, and, and I can't you can't really argue against the Kulak Petrie pairing. Uh, no. They're effective, like you said. They're seventy point five percent of expected goals for percentage. Um, Romanov and Kulak are at fifty eight point three, and they're in second place. I brought up Money Puck as well, and I'm looking at everything that they're doing above 70 minutes of, uh, of ice time as a pair. So that gives a little bit more of a, a sample size. Uh, the Sherratt-Weber pairing, yeah, it's 56.9% of expected goals for. However, they're a bit slower. So if you want to play that pairing, that's the kind of pairing you play against teams like Winnipeg, against Calgary, uh, Ottawa, but not Toronto, not Edmonton, because their their offense is based on speed. So that yeah. that's more of a, a strategy type thinking. You know, you're you're thinking fourth dimensional chess here. Uh, I agree with Treg on this. The you want to keep Kulak playing with Weber because they bring what each other miss. So you want Weber playing with someone who can who can skate well, skate, uh, skate the puck out of trouble. Petrie, he does that. So he doesn't need another puck mover with him. So you can throw Edmondson on there. They look good together. They've, they're at 56.3% of expected goals for. And Romanov, no matter who he's with, is a positive expected goals for percentage. So he can anchor a third pairing, no issues with anybody. And Sherratt would definitely be a massive upgrade on Mete in many instances, not against speedy teams, but anybody else. And Romanoff can play both sides. Exactly. So Um, if you want to bring up a flurry to play on that right side, he would be a good fit there because flurry has the legs. He, uh, he can actually carry the puck a little bit, makes a good first pass, very aggressive. And he's, he's fairly mobile. So I don't think you really lose out. He's more of a, an even on all the aspects and he's got a decent shot unlike Mete. Just to say Kulak and Weber have played together 10 and a half minutes and they're at 40%, but it's only 10 and a half minutes. Yeah. I mean, Evanson or uh, Evanson and Kulak are 70 minutes, 70% at 12 minutes. So um, you're kind of, yeah. Kulak, however, it's shown over time and time over the past three seasons, no matter who he plays with, they usually have good numbers. So, I say put him with whatever. Can't hurt. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm all for that. Um, 
Now, moving on to something a little bit more painful. The McDavid cheap shot on Kotkaniemi. So Kotkaniemi was playing McDavid pretty tight, won a board battle, got the puck back to his defenseman, then started cut through the neutral zone. About five seconds after that play was done, McDavid hunts him down and throws his elbow into Kotkaniemi's face, which clearly means Kotkaniemi is going to get a 15-game suspension for bruising McDavid's elbow. So no argument for me. What do you, what do you guys think here? Am I offside in thinking that that was a dirty play? Matt? No, I think it was 100% a dirty play. Um, and if it would have been somebody else, then he would have been suspended. Um, I brought up a tweet here from Francois Gagnon. It says, can't wait to see the NHL show the same level of severity towards the star players on the fourth liners. If McDavid is on the other end of that elbow to the head, we can expect supplementary discipline. And I 100% agree. It was, uh, it was away from the play. He didn't have the puck. And he was just being, you know, he was being frustrated. And he was just, he showed his frustration throughout the game. But, you know, you've got to, you've got to level that frustration down. You can't, uh, you can't take those kind of uh, measures and not, and not be disciplined for it. And, uh, you know, $5,000 fine is a slap on the wrist. Somebody tweeted out that uh, with the money that he makes, with the money that he makes, makes $12.5 million against the cap, that would be the equivalent of make, someone making $50,000 would be a $20 fine. Right. I, so it's, you know, it, it, but that's, but that's the CBA though. That's the maximum allowed. So that's all they can do. But he's been suspended once before for a hit on Nick Letty. It was an elbow to the head. He missed two games. That's back in 2019. Huh. Um, Funny that. But nothing, nothing came of this. Nothing came of this time. Um, and I've got another, I got another uh, quick tweet here from our favorite, favorite morning talk show host. Ben Mulrooney. No, it's not Ben Mulrooney. Um, even though he is better. Our friend from Sportsnet, our former friend from Sportsnet, Sid Cicero, still thinks that he's relevant in in hockey at whatever point. He said, Connor McDavid had to deal with officials not protecting him for years. If he wants to throw an elbow now and again, I'm fine with it. So... That's the dumbest freaking thing. Uh, Exactly. But the thing is, people eat that shit up. It's clickbait. It sucked me in. I fucking brought it up on the show. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Let's let's live with a double standard. Yeah, because that's exactly how. But this is but this is the thing. Say if that would have been Cassian hitting Kakiniami. And even if he wasn't injured, which he wasn't, he was knocked down, he got back up, and he kept playing the rest of the game. We're thinking that. Cassian, if he would have thrown that hit, probably would have got a game suspension. Maybe more than likely, right? It's I don't I don't yeah, you've gotta you've gotta make it fair across the league. And we've seen uh we've seen uh hits very similar to that be suspended this season. But you know, if you've got if you've got you know, if you've got star power, you're you can pretty much do whatever the fuck you want. So Sid Sixario, who's the Damian Cox or Steve of the Simmons morning television of, circuit. The morning television circuit. He's just saying shit to be relevant. Like, yeah. just so people will click on it and go, oh, you 
I saw him that, and he's just sitting back looking at saying, look at all the attention I'm getting. That's right. Whatever. Who cares what Sid has to say? He hasn't had a good take in about 30 years. So my, well, you made up a good point because I didn't know that. So what you're telling me is McDavid's a repeat offender, and all he did was get was the maximum fine. Now, if that was a Tom Wilson or a Zach Cassian who was a repeat offender, they would have got three to four games. Um, I don't believe it was a suspendable hit, personally. No. I don't. I believe it was a penalty. Four minutes, maybe, is probably what I think he should have got. Um, double minor. And sure, I'm okay with the fine. I, I, I don't mind him getting fined. You can't argue about the fine at 5000 because that you're right. The CBA, CBA right? limit. Personally, I think it should be based on a percentage of whatever you make. Um, so if you make $12.5 it should be like whatever percentage of $12.5 is what you got to pay is the max. Lose a game's right. pay whatever it doesn't matter that way guys who are only making seven hundred thousand, they're not going to get hit as hard as say connor mcdavid then if you land on free parking you get the pot (laughs) that's right (laughs) (laughs) but uh i was actually surprised he got anything i i actually tweeted last night during the game with a with a little gif of a guy laughing because i didn't think he'd uh, actually get anything uh, but to go back to what Sid's area, that is the dumbest thing I've ever heard because McDavid is protected like crazy. Anytime someone has a questionable hit on McDavid on the upper body, it's a penalty or it's a, you know, it's the same thing with Crosby or any of the star players. The star players are protected, not so much as they were maybe in the nineties with uh, Gretzky and Le- well, Lemieux wasn't that protected. He in his career because people were hacking and slashing at him the whole entire fucking game. But um I don't know. Anyway, I don't want to talk about him anymore because he's a complete well, moron. What's but. so? It was a headshot. That's my. Headshot. That's yes. my issue. I don't care if it was a star doing it to another player. I don't care if it's a you know a fourth liner doing it to a star. <clears throat> it should be equal across the board. Unlike Sid Sixero, I give a shit about all hockey players, yeah. not just the ones that go on a highlight reel once in a while. So. What's to stop the Canadians in the next game to just call up, you know, a tough guy like Braddock, you know, bring up Braddock, say, Hey, your job in this shift, throw an elbow to McDavid's head, take a fine, take a, take a suspension. We'll cover you. Don't worry about it. Then what you want to stop headshots. The NHL says they want to stop headshots. You know how to stop them. You give a five minute major penalty. You don't need to give a suspension. It's a few bucks out of some guy's pocket. They'll all cover him off but you give a five minute power play to the other team. That's going to make a difference because now you're giving the other team a chance to score three goals, two goals, three goals and bury your team in a game. You're going to lose the game. And that's what matters to these guys. Not a few bucks.
looking to make the most out of this life and optimize your personal wellness? Then check out the Natural Man Podcast. Join me, host Mike C., as we explore all areas of human wellness, physical, mental, and emotional. Learn strategies to optimize your own well-being and be in the driver's seat of your own health. Remember, your doctor works for you. Learn biohacks, neurohacks, ways to improve sleep, and ways to optimize your body and your mind. Check us out on Apple, Spotify, the Fountain App, and at naturalmanpodcast.com. The Podcast Super Friends is a monthly meeting of five podcast producers. Hi, I'm Catherine O'Brien from Branch Out Programs in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. I'm John Gay from Jagged Detroit Podcasts. I'm Matt Kundle from the Sound Off Podcast Network. I'm David Yes from Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network. And I'm Johnny Peterson from Straight Up Podcasts. Together, they form the Podcast Super Friends, an alliance of podcast masterminds sharing best practices, insights, and discussions to help make you a better podcaster. Follow or subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or at soundoff.network.